For this edition of our Skift podcast, we will feature discussion from our recent Design the Future online event. To join us and learn more about future Skift events, visit forum.skift.com to sign up and stay in the know about our future summits, forums, and special events. For our next session, we'll be taking a look at how diversity fuels creativity and innovation with Aaron Walton, founder and CEO of Walton Isaacson, in discussion with journalist and author Robert Rosenthal. Before we welcome Aaron and Rob to the stage, let's take a quick look at some of Aaron's work in action to set the scene. Lexus is making their most thrilling cars ever, but somehow people still see the brand as boring. We needed to change that by doing something truly exciting to connect with a new younger audience. Like partner with Marvel Studios' groundbreaking Black Panther film two years before its debut with a never-been-done-before content-generating experience. Exciting. We kicked it off by working with Deadpool creator Fabian Nicieza on an eight-part graphic novel, which Lexus launched at their exclusive first-ever Comic-Con concert with the Black Eyed Peas. Social media was lit. Fandom intensified when we had West Coast Customs create a -a one-of-a-kind Black Panther Lexus just in time for auto show season. And then we sponsored the Black Comic Book Festival. Excitement kept growing as we debuted Wakandan-inspired fashion from 10 up-and-coming designers at New York Fashion Week. Our influencer network spread the word every step of the way, creating anticipation for our next big moment, the launch of the new Lexus flagship on the Super Bowl, which was ranked one of the best commercials of the game, was the most-watched Lexus commercial ever, and gave us a 1,080% lift in search at prominent auto sites. This unprecedented effort shattered all expectations. With over 56 million organic social media impressions, over 5 billion earned media impressions, and a 269% lift in Lexus LS sales. Proving that when you think beyond product placement and engage culture in an authentic way, the result is anything but boring. Well... How you like that? Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. Uh, I will tell you that our guest uh, is the brains behind uh, incorporating Lexus into the um, Black Panther uh, movie franchise. He's the uh, founder and driving force behind uh, Walton Isaacson, the premier uh, multicultural marketing communications agency in America uh, with clients such as Lexus, as you've seen, and McDonald's. Uh, You might also be familiar with one of his partners in the business, Irvin Johnson, otherwise known as Magic. And uh, when he's not running the agency, which, I mean, he's doing that 24-7, 365, but on the odd time that he takes a break, he can be found on runways in Paris and Milan, modeling the fashions of Japanese designer Rian Shu, making him literally the model businessman. <laughs> There's no one more equipped to talk about the power of diversity. On So on behalf of Skift, I am delighted to introduce you to uh, Aaron Walton. Hello, Aaron. Hello. Thank you for that incredible introduction. Very generous. Thank you, Rob. Well, you know, uh, not generous, uh, honest, uh, uh, true. Okay, so let's jump uh, right to it in the time that we have. Our topic today is uh, uh, diversity, uh, how it fuels uh, creativity and innovation, whether it's in advertising, uh, in the workplace, uh, in the marketplace, everywhere. What does it mean? What does that mean to you? Uh, So... Here's what diversity means to me. It it really means harnessing the power of disruption, right? Because differences are disruptive. And and that's the key to innovation, disrupting the status quo or or the predictable. And when we have, you know, 
when we have moments of disruption, it kind of breaks those patterns that often lead to blind spots. And so what it really means for me is really uh, being disruptive. You know, at our agency, we don't refer to DNI in the traditional sense of uh, diversity and inclusion. We think of it as um, disruption and innovation. And, and that's kind of ultimately the, the power that it has. What, is it, uh, what does it look like when it's working? Well, it, it looks and sounds messy, if I'm going to be honest with you. You know, on the surface, it looks, you know, racially diverse, like a full spectrum of skin colors, hairstyles, clothing choices, cultural cues. The eye should actually be able to see diversity, but just as important, or probably even more important, is, is how it sounds, right? The ear should be able to pick up diversity because conversations should be colliding with different points of view, different life experiences, different ways of looking and solving problems. So the sound of diversity is the sound of like, how do I say, it's a sound of the status quo kind of smashing into pieces and then rearranging them into something that no one had come up with before. You know, when I talk about it, I often use the analogy of a, of a kaleidoscope, right? When you look at a kaleidoscope, there are these beautiful individual shapes and colors and, and, and on its own, each of those could be beautiful. It, it is beautiful, but when you kind of turn it and twist it, you create something even more dynamic and more um, uh, kind of graphic and, and just more engaging. And so for, for me, it's really about those collisions and how it can, can uh, help move things forward. And how will, how and why is that particularly important in a creative business? That's a great question. Uh, look, you've done stand-up, right? Yeah. So, so you know often that the first jokes that you discover, not necessarily, well, they, they're likely to be the same jokes as another comic will discover. And the obvious always comes first, whether it's in comedy or any creative you know, expression. But breakthrough creativity, that's way down there. It, it has to be kind of excavated and, and shaped and molded and twisted. And when you do that, you know, in a creative business, you know, it, can it will survive. It will thrive by having that kind of competitive edge, by discovering those gems, those moments of innovation that no one else ever saw. We can all basically create. We can all play the game, but innovation, game-changing. That's what happens when you understand, you know, how to activate diversity. And, and by the way, it, it has an impact on the bottom line, right? M McKinsey did a study, um, and they showed that, you know, gender-diverse companies were 15% more likely to outperform their competitors, and they found that, you know, ethnically diverse companies were likely to outperform the companies by 35 percent. Right. So, so it does have a, a huge, huge impact uh, on the bottom line. Harvard Business, uh, did, Harvard Business Review did a study, too. They showed that leaders who give diverse voices, you know, equal airtime are two and a half times um, more likely to unleash value driving insights. And. And when they create this kind of speak up uh, culture, 
they found that the employees are three and a half times more likely to unleash their full innovative potential. So it really does play a role in creativity. It plays a role uh, in how people feel, and, and it plays a role in the in the profitability of a company. Yes, I, I was going to ask you about it, and that's it. It's empirical data that yeah. uh, suggests both, uh, not, not even suggests, but actually proves out that both uh, creativity and diversity are a competitive uh, advantage, provide competitive advantage. Um, so let's let's segue into uh, travel, since uh, the audience here uh, is in the uh, in the travel industry. Yeah. W- one would think, uh, Aaron, that diversity is kind of inherent in a global business that's essentially about experiencing, uh, you, you know, different cultures. Yeah. Uh, so, as someone who has uh, you, you know traveled extensively yourself, do you see sufficient diversity reflected in the industry's approach? Here's what I would say. You know. One of the great joys of travel is to change the view and to experience something new to you, right? But that can't fully happen if you don't have a different lens. And that's not a camera lens I'm talking about. You know, it, it's it's you, it's your eyes, it's your brain. You need to open, you know, open up to how you perceive the world around you and not judge it. Just just absorb it. Uh, travel's all about storytelling. But but who is telling the stories and what stories are, are they telling? Without diversity, travelers keep seeing the same history that reflects, you know, dominant cultures. But there are infinite numbers of stories to be told, sights to be seen. It's why we're, you know, seeing statues being torn down around the world. People are tired of the same old narratives told by the same old storytellers. So, uh, you know, I, I do think that, there is a place and an important place for diversity, an important role that diversity plays in the travel industry. Do you see some uh, opportunities in travel? Oh, I mean, 100 uh, percent from the way travel is experienced to, you know, and are marketed to the way trips are experienced once the traveler arrives. For example, you know, I'm a, a black gay man and, and I want to know that my travel experience is going to be relevant and respectful to to my values. But I also know it's not just about, you know, matching my identity for my sake. I I can't tell you you how many allies, white allies, straight allies, people who don't have my background at all, want to know that their travel choices are going to be, uh, you know, represent the world that really exists. And even a future forward world that's being created, not some kind of outdated version of it so yeah so it does play a role uh you know i spent uh 25 years in the international uh advertising business and i would say that uh, even though i haven't uh, been there for a little while the industry the advertising industry was never particularly adept at uh at, at diversity and maybe there have maybe there's been some improvement so what does it take really to to bring about change what what is the what is the fear that's blocking kind of uh, the change when you consider the obvious positive impact of, of actually bringing different voices to the table that's a great question um uh, the fears is change right people say that they embrace change but that's often not what's going on emotionally they embrace change if they don't have to give up anything. Yeah. But but with diversity, there's 
a perception that change means losing something, fear of losing power, control, you know, dominance. It's a scarcity mentality based on hundreds, you know, of years of dominant culture and gender. But but let's face it, white males have been running the show, right? Not just and not just in the U.S. And change is hard, but change is inevitable. So so rather than framing it as you know things that are, are we're going to lose, it's essential to have what I call this kind of like this courage to collide because there's upside to what seems scary and messy. There's an understanding that change brings benefits, gains, not losses. And, and that more, the more open you are, you know, and the more you open yourself up to change, the more you want to keep expanding. Yeah, I feel like the way that I have heard you express it is that there's a fear that by bringing new parties into the uh, into the equation, that somehow it's uh, you have uh, to give you up. Can you hear me? Uh, yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Um, I'm going to say that you haven't, uh, that you can't. Uh, Sorry, am I... some audio. Oh, all right. I'm. Uh, I'm going to. Oh, there you go. Uh, You're back. You're oh, back. Okay, fine. I was just saying that I think when we talk about fear, I, I feel like I've heard you express the idea that you, you know the fear is that you bring more people into the equation and somehow it uh, it, it shrinks the the pie. In, instead, what it is that you're saying is, in fact, bringing new people into the equation actually expands the total pie. <laughs> Expands the pie, right? It, it's it's not about making it less for one group. It's about being more relevant and expanding the opportunity for other people to participate and to enjoy the benefits of the brand or the company. And uh, so the pie actually doesn't get smaller. It actually gets it gets bigger. As a communications professional, let me ask you this question, because I can imagine people uh, in the audience, especially those who are in marketing and communication and running businesses. One of the questions that I, I, I would I would ponder is when we talk about diverse uh, audiences, uh, mm -hmm. a, a, a black, uh, African-American, LGBT, uh, Hispanic, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, are, are, are different or unique campaigns uh, to reach those people uh, uh, required uh, for different audiences? Or is there a more kind of uniform way of addressing the, the, the total audience? What, what's your take on that? Uh, so yes and no, right? Required is kind of a loaded word. It's kind of like, you know, taking medicine. We should want to create work for different audiences uh, to be relevant, to be as relevant as possible. Uh, what's required is an incredible connection. Uh, the, the, the path to connection comes from in many different forms, right? But yes, one size did not fit all. So that I believe to be truth. I also believe that there are universal truths that do exist. So certainly there's work that appeals to diverse groups at the same time. But even being universal is often a result of being specific and understanding what's unique about that segment, right? Yeah. So, it, so the answer is, I guess, you know, yes and no to some degree. You've spoken uh, before about creating kind of a positive creative tension. Uh, so let me ask you this. You, where do you find inspiration? And uh, on that note, uh, tell, tell the people about Bayard uh, Rustin. Yes, yes, Bayard. Well, um, okay, so for the first part, I would say that 
inspiration is all around us. You know, you just have to be receptive to it, to be curious. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm curious. I want to discover things and, and, and learn about new things and then try to come up with unique solutions, right? Um, I think you have to get out of your comfort zone. And, and I'm always, to, to your point about Bayard, I'm, I'm always inspired by the words of Bayard Rustin. And for those folks who aren't familiar with Bayard, um, he's considered the lost prophet of the civil rights movement. He was actually um, the person who came up with the idea for the March on Washington, which is where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his famous uh, I Have a Dream speech. And one of the things that Bayard said was that um, what every community needs is a group of angelic troublemakers, mm-hmm. right? And, and that message really inspired me uh, and is kind of the basis in part for what our agency does. We, we refer to ourselves as enlightened rebels, right? So we've, we've taken the inspiration of Bayard's angelic troublemakers and, and then kind of incorporated that into how we approach uh, our own agency, how we approach our client's business, which is you know data-driven, looking at insights, uh, but understanding that those insights come from a, a lot of different groups and, and really trying to change the status quo, um, which, as I said earlier, kind of leads to those blind spots and ultimately gives you the level of innovation that, that you need. Well, I mean, at minimum, you've given me fodder for the next time I introduce you because apparently <laughs> you're a rebel and a troublemaker. Really yeah, yeah. I've been told I'm a troublemaker, hopefully in a, in a good way. Um, well, uh, it, it appears that you are. Now, let me... Let me do something here uh, in in the uh, time that we have left uh, in a positive way. I mean, obviously, we live in a country at this moment that's very divided uh, in 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 many ways. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of uh, uh, tension and 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 racial rhetoric and and et cetera, et cetera, uh, and and a demand for reform and an un- and and a lot of discussion uh, around systemic uh, racism. But I want to focus on, on the positive aspect yeah. of that, which is to say, that that is going to maybe accelerate or amplify in some ways some some positive change. So let's we can look at it we can look at it in terms of I can I can leave it up to you to talk about inclusion or authenticity, but I can also ask you this: when it comes to kind of like the next generation of of, of creative leaders or even leaders in the travel business, what do you how do you see them kind of tackling uh, the, the 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 challenge of inclusivity? So that's a great question. Uh, so look, I, I see the next generation of creative business leaders coming from historically marginalized groups, right? And therefore not viewing inclusivity as a challenge, but more of a responsibility, right? A natural way of being, you know, all this lack you know, of inclusivity isn't rocket science. It's a choice to exclude people. But the next generation knows that it's a ch- terrible choice. And, and they're going to make better choices and we'll all be better for it, I, 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 one would hope. You know, one of our mutual friends, Rochelle Newman Carrasco, was a brilliant writer and, and uh, Hispanic strategist. And I remember her being in a meeting one time and one of the, uh, the clients had said, well, you know, you know, Rochelle, millennials are colorblind. And so they don't see color. So it's, it's fine to kind of do this kind of total market. And she said, well, wait a minute. But when is being blind a good thing? Actually, millennials are color com- confident. They see color. They understand it. They celebrate it. And they can't understand anyone who doesn't. And so 
I see that generation, those people looking at this as their responsibility and not as a chore uh, for something that they have to do in the future. Is there a way to, to approach uh, uh, marketing and communications uh, uh, that maybe I, maybe you've answered this, but I, I'm, I'm, um, we have the time. So, I mean, is there a way to approach marketing and advertising in a way that uh, that's more inclusive? If by we, you mean gatekeepers, you know, the people holding on to power, which is fundamentally, quite frankly, straight white males and, and white women after that, you acknowledge the reality that you prioritize inclusivity as a business goal uh, that is real and measurable and requires you to, to change how you do things. Uh, it required it requires you to kind of learn and listen and to put your faith in the people who know inclusivity better than you do, right? And you understand that inclusivity isn't just about adding people or extending invitations for people to participate. It's giving people leadership, power, budgets, authority in supporting them in the process. It's yeah. not just about checking the boxes. It's about giving them a seat at the table and a voice at the table and the responsibility that, that comes with it. By the way, on a completely uh, unrelated note, I mean, it's clear that I'm coming to you from New York City. I don't know if you can hear it, but generally we have police and ambulance uh, sirens in the background. Yeah, sadly, uh, things are taking a turn for the worse with COVID, but um, well, we'll, yeah. we'll get it. Um, yeah, uh, let me uh, let me ask you this. What about you? you what, what is authenticity? You talk a lot about kind of uh, ensuring authenticity. And I I understand it in the context of this conversation, because yeah. anybody can kind of like you said, you know, fill in boxes. I have this. I have this. I have this. But this what, what, what people are able always, I think, consumers are always able to perceive is that it's coming to them in a way that feels, you, you know, legit, authentic, real. What's what's your commentary on that? Well, First, it will be authentic, authentic when uh, people engaged are from diverse communities, right? Engaged in leadership positions, not just engaged as consultants. Um, and it will be authentic when people's intentions are adjusted to really care about diverse consumers as people, not just as statistics or as stereotypes or as business opportunities, but as people with cultural histories and names that need to be pronounced properly and heritage stories that need to be relearned and celebrated, not just, you know, one month of the year. I, I tell folks all the time, look, I'm glad you're celebrating Black history. I'm glad you're celebrating, you know, Gay Pride Month, but I'm Black and gay 365 days a year <laughs> in June. I like talk yeah. all the time. Right? Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, uh, b before we uh, close up, just uh, on kind of more of a personal thing, I got to say that the year leading into the um, in, into the into the kind of lockdown, I I had never been to more places in my life. I mean, I was literally uh, in in fifteen countries, and and I, you know, I mean, we, you know, we come, we all we come from kind of a traveled mentality. We we just love the energy of being in another place, and 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 really kind of absorbing uh, uh, the local culture. So I'm at the point now where literally, uh, you know, I get a car ride and go to Connecticut and I'm excited. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> what are you on a personal level? What do you like? Like when we can get back uh, and, and travel, like what's what are you looking forward to most? Is it a, is it a vacation thing? Is it a business thing? What's your what are you excited about? I, I will tell you, honestly, it is about connecting with friends that I haven't been able to yeah. uh, see. Uh, you know, I have an apartment in New York. I'm in Los Angeles now. Um and I, I was 
thinking the other day, this is the longest in my career. And I've, I've been at this now since 1983, right? Mm-hmm. This is the longest in my career I've never been in New York for any stretch of time. So I'm looking forward to being able to get back to New York. Um, I literally haven't been on a plane, sadly, since March. And, and I'm like you, you know, I was on the road 80% of the time. I loved it. There was an energy when I was on, you know, when I would travel, I would see the same people at the airport and they became as much and as close to me as some of my staff, right? I, I usually travel American, United, an American, you know, those folks were, were connected to me in, in a very special way. So I kind of miss that. I, I love theater. I love the art and I can't wait for Broadway to be back up so I can, you know, I can go back and enjoy the amazing uh, artistry that, that's out there. Hey, uh, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but uh, just how many frequent flying models do you happen to have these days? Oh my God. Well, I, I was I was really nervous because uh, you know I'm concierge key in, with American. Yeah. And and all of a sudden, the first thing that happened, I was like, Oh my God, am I going to lose my status? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a real issue. But, um, I, I have no idea anymore. I stopped no. running. At, you know, I think. Career miles. I must be thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, uh, enough to to, to mention uh, concierge key because that really that's the the key right, right there. Um, and then you you know finally, I, I mean uh, uh, the courage to collide. It seems to me yeah. that if I have a takeaway, basically, yeah, it, it's about that. It's the it's the courage to collide, meaning you you know to embrace uh, diverse uh, perspectives, point of view, uh, people, uh, uh, religion, color, whatever it is. Because uh, whether you look at it from a common sense perspective or the empirical data that you, oh, that is my uh, timer, the, the empirical uh, data that you mentioned earlier, it's a win-win. There's just, there's no downside to doing this thing the right day, right way. Uh, your closing thoughts, my friend. I, I could not agree with you more. Uh, you know, I really believe that the courage to collide is how we move things forward, how we get innovation. We have to also acknowledge that we're human beings in that sometimes stepping out of our comfort zone is it is challenging but let's acknowledge that it's challenging let's face that fear with an understanding that when we do it when we get to that other side when we sit and open ourselves up to these incredibly brilliant and supportive people that don't necessarily look like us but have a point of view and have lived a different life experience that it is going to be better for everybody. We're going to make the pie bigger, not smaller. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm encouraged. I, I see a lot of people reaching out to us now, uh, starting to understand why that's important. Um, you know, it's sad that, that it took a tragedy sometimes to kind of shake people up, but it did. And so let's let's use that to kind of learn and to move forward. And, and to do the right things and do the things that are going to help our businesses. Yeah, as they say, never waste a, a crisis. Uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, there you have it. He's a troublemaker. He is a rebel. Uh, he is the one and only uh, Aaron Walton. Uh, thank you, Aaron, for your time and your insights. Always a pleasure to be with you. Well, Rob, anytime I get to talk to you, it's a pleasure. Thank you. And thank come, you, Skip. Come to, come to New York City. Yes, I'm looking forward to it.